0: You are not required to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Welcome to Heal Conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well being. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Heal. Today I have Amy Green Smith in the studio. I wish it was a studio. How fabulous would that be? Hi, Amy. She is a life coach, hypnotherapist, and a speaker. How are you?
1: I'm so well. I'm I'm really excited to connect and chat today.
0: Same here. When I saw your bio, I thought, oh my gosh, I know so many people who would benefit from your wisdom, your experience, and your stories. Um, So let's start chatting. (laughs) I should have some music after I say that. uh, Let's start chatting. Um, So I'm so enthralled by hypnotherapists because I would love to be a hypnotherapist. First of all, I think I just would like to hypnotize people. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> <Like this>. Yes. <laughs> and and hear all about their deep dark secrets. So tell me your story. Where did you start from? What made you become a life coach, a hypnotherapist? And we'll talk a little bit later on in the podcast about how you help people now with those skills and that training. So tell us your story.
1: Well, I think for it's not dissimilar to many of us who are kind of in the expert space where a lot of times the personal lessons that we've had to learn along the way have then informed the work that we do and put into the world. So I, I, I'll I, give you a bit of context around my family of origin and kind of how, how that really it created the impetus for my work in the world. So I grew up in an extremely conservative born again, Christian family, very evangelical and a lot of dogma that was enveloped by guilt and fear and essentially shame, you know, this notion that you're just innately broken and flawed and need saving. And, uh, that was incredibly internalized for me. And so what that ended up looking like was a very strong kind of perfectionism, people pleasing, defense mechanism that went into being the quote, good girl, the good mm-hmm. kid. Right. So w- what that looked like for me is my, it was very different than my two younger siblings who ended up having really difficult time with the law and did jail time and didn't go to school and ended up having issues with drugs and all these things. And meanwhile, I started working when I was 14, uh-huh. put myself through college, got married so- young <laughs> moved out, was very self-sufficient. And I think things really kind of came to a head for me in 07 when my father passed away. And up until that time, although I had already gotten involved in personal development a little bit, I wasn't working in it full-time the way I am now. And there was this very pivotal moment where You know, another little bit of context that day, the day of my father's service, I had a background in makeup artistry, so I did the makeup
0: for his viewing. So that must have been really difficult. Was that something that you wanted to do because it was your dad and you have experience and you're the one who wants to take care of him or was it more, uh, what was the reasoning behind that? Yes. Other yeah than, that's like you know you have the experience but
1: that's quite astute yes that was really that was really what it was I felt like I had this skill set this thing that I I was an authority on and it felt like an asshole move to and, and I know it would have been fine but it felt like an asshole move to say like oh dad find find your own makeup artist or like go ahead and just use the mortuary artist or I'm like no, no no I have this skill set and he you know he he had his own specific skill set in teaching and educating and things like that, as I know you are quite familiar. And if he wouldn't have spoken at my service, you know, like if he wouldn't have used his talents and said, like, I'm going to speak for my, you know,
0: right. Uh, That makes sense. So it's sort of like, this is what I can do. So let me do this for him.
1: That's right. So I do the makeup for literally on my father's corpse and the, the process to answer your question of what did that look like? I really went into immediate work mode and I kind of separated myself from the immediacy of, of what it was the, of the grief, you know, I, I kind feel of like, I into- feel like that
0: you would almost have to, or that would be a normal sort of defense mechanism or coping mechanism at that point, I think. Yeah. I feel absolutely. like I would have to detach. I would have to detach completely emotionally to do that work.
1: And it also, it, it did not. I mean, we, we don't even need to go down this route necessarily, but it, I, it didn't feel like it looked like him. It didn't feel like him. So that kind of aided in, in that separation. But anyway, I also spoke to a crowd of hundreds and hundreds of people and so needless to say, I kind of felt like I was winning at daughter that day. I felt like I was checking off the
0: box,
1: and really proud of myself like that. A lot of that took a substantial amount of effort, emotional effort. So we get back home to my mom's house and she finds it the most opportune time to tell me that she feels as though she and my father had failed as parents because quote all three of us were not walking with the lord. Oh. And you know what was so frustrating to me that it was it was all of who I was was completely negated because I right. no longer subscribed to the faith that I was raised in. And up until that time, I really kind of lived in a very kind of a comfortable facade around my family in particular, in my intimate life and all of my friends, you know And everybody who knew me knew that I was very liberal, that I was not, uh, that I was leaned more towards agnosticism or atheism. And so everybody else kind of knew who I was. And when I would get around my parents, I would kind of tell my husband, you know, when we would go visit, like, okay, no cussing, no drinking. Don't talk about John Stewart. Don't talk about Howard Stern, no South park. No, you know, like all these things that I knew would be Yeah,
0: so many rules to remember because it's not who you are. So you'd have to put on an act and then you would have to really not be yourself. And that's a lot of work. It's a lot of twisting and contorting. Mm -hmm. And so
1: that really, I think was where the dam kind of broke. And I looked at my mom in that moment and I said, I really don't think that's something that you should say to a child. And she said, well, that's just how I feel. (laughs) And that really became that pivotal moment where I realized, okay, speaking up for yourself or advocating for who you are establishing boundaries is not always an ultimatum. It's not always, I need to choose to either put your needs As number one or i choose me but if it did come down to that and i do think there are situations like this where it does uh and if it is going to come down to i either choose to make you happy or i choose to make me happy i'm going to choose me
0: and can i ask you how old you were when that happened
1: uh Gosh, this is about fifteen years ago. So I okay. was, I think, roughly 27 just,
0: or... just yeah. You weren't young, and you know, you weren't very young. You weren't. I an was adult. twenty-seven or twenty-eight. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, something like that. So I, at that point, then the trajectory became extremely combative. I was very adversarial. It was, I think, it was two things. It was one that I had finally spoken up and said, like. I don't agree. And then the other piece was now, now there weren't two of them again. Now it was, you know, my father had passed on and now it was just my mom. And, and so it, and I guess there's a third component that she, which compounded the issue is, she then reached to me to kind of supply some of the needs that she wasn't getting met because my father had passed.
0: That's true. So, not only that, but with your voice that emerged, you almost opened up a floodgate perhaps. And then you're like, did. Oh, it's not stopping now. <laughs> and, yeah. and that, that was really what
1: led me to the work I do now was many instances of me fighting and being really acerbic and biting and, uh, vitriolic when I would have these conversations with her and I would find myself going back and cleaning up my mess, not, not the content, not what I actually was saying or expressing, but the way in which I was expressing it, Mm. the actual delivery of it. So then I would kind of go back to my mom and say, Hey, And this is something that I advocate for all the time in my work now, I would say, listen, I still feel very strongly about what it is that we were discussing, but I spoke to you in a really disrespectful and rude way and you didn't deserve that. And for that delivery, I apologize,
0: but not for the content and not for how you feel about it. Right.
1: That's right. And that's a very important distinction because I think sometimes when we, we are at odds with somebody and we have this disruption in the relationship, we want that pain to stop immediately. And so we go, okay, how can I, I and this is sort of that people pleasing perspective is, okay, let me go smooth it over at all costs. Yes. And a lot of times it's a cost of, of self-sacrifice. Yeah. So then I started realizing after many times that I did that, I started realizing, oh shit, you actually set up for yourself about some of the most polarizing topics and you can do that with grace and kindness. You don't have to be cruel and rude. And so I started realizing, okay, you can actually have conversations where you tell your family that you are, you know, part of the queer community, or that you ask an adult child to move out of the house, or you tell your parents, you're not going to continue on with schooling because it's not calling to you. You ask for a divorce. Like there's all of these really volatile conversations that we typically have. And we think we have to do it from a place of kind of being a dick.
0: I was gonna say a defensive place, you know. You get that's right. You're on alert, ready to defend your what you feel, and get ready, here we go. You know, like here we sure. go, I'm gonna have this conversation. When in actuality, yeah. We were never really taught to have those difficult conversations. So we're learning as adults how to have them, and that's too bad that um that's too bad because as a kindergarten teacher. Um, I feel like that's all I did was to help problem solve and have kids um, have conversations with each other and with me. And I don't know, I just, it's interesting. I never understand, never can understand where that gets lost um, from the time they're five to, I guess, there's a lot of other contributing factors.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot of contributing factors. I mean, I think we also have the influence of a patriarchal society where we value things that are under more of that masculine frame. And and I really hate, I, I really dislike the terms masculine and feminine, because I think uh-huh. it genderizes things and that's not helpful for where we're at in our society. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But if we talk about strong versus soft traits that we all embody, regardless of gender, uh-huh. I think the the messaging that we've received in our society is uh, for women or those, those of us who, who identify as women that in order to get ahead, you have to be man-like and you have to be bitchy. I was going to
0: just say that. Why are we bitches? Because we want to succeed and have, you know, um, and if we're just talking career wise, get ahead. Um, Yeah. Why do we have to quote hustle, be a bitch, confrontational, all of those things. I don't think we have to. Well, we
1: all, we, we certainly don't have to, but I think it's important to recognize what society says around that,
0: right? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Why does society think that that's what you, you know, if you are a woman and you're pushing ahead and doing things like forcefully or aggressively, why are you a bitch? (laughs) I don't get it. If you are a male, then it would be different.
1: That's right. Because we also accept the emotion of anger from men. And we say, that, okay, anything that's cloaked in a real strong aggression or anger, you know, we kind of have these idioms that I think are incredibly detrimental, like boys will be boys. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) boys need to be held accountable for their own emotional acuity and intelligence. And that's one of the things that I feel so, so strongly about educational institutions that we should be teaching emotional intelligence because I think that is the biggest contributing factor in how we are able to actually communicate because how we feel about things is very rarely what we're actually communicating about. So if you think about it in terms of, Uh, let's say an intimate partnership where you're telling you and your partner get in an argument about how you're unloading the dishwasher, let's say, or some sort of, some sort of stupid I'm just giggling because it's like, are you in my house? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Usually laughter is guilt.
0: (laughs) Not me. I never argue. I'm the one who's being spoken to, about how the dishwasher is loaded. (laughs) I'm like,
1: it's all going to get clean. And and what we usually do in those moments is we double down on talking about that surface issue, the surface issue of, no, this is the way the dishwasher should be laid. No, this is, and we keep talking about the issue that is not the root issue. So we have sort of that presenting issue, but then we look at what's really happening underneath that, which is usually how we feel about what that issue says to us. So Mm -hmm. usually- it's not really about the damn dishwasher. It might be that I erupted and became critical of my partner because I'm feeling overwhelmed in work. I'm feeling stressed out. I feel like I have a mountain of things on my plate. Mm -hmm. And then that surface issue triggered all of that. Whereas the other partner might feel something like disrespect. Or you don't value my input, or that there is. Yeah, it's just one other thing.
0: Yeah, it's one other, the dishwashing thing, the the conversation of the dishwashing thing is just one other um, reason why you don't value my input, another reason why you don't listen to what I have to say. Yep, I get it. That's right.
1: Yeah. So I do think that there are a lot of correlations between understanding our own emotional acuity Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and intelligence, and then using that to adequately communicate with other people. And those are skills that you're right. We're absolutely not taught because the, the older you get, we've got this society that tells you, You know, we see it a lot typically for boys around the ages of like 11 or 12, where it becomes, you no longer get to have the sweet, fun emotions that children have. Now you have to have only the ones that men have, which we say you can have anger and probably happiness and, you know, maybe some pride, but you do not get to be vulnerable. You do not get to express, um, feeling less than, you know, all uh it's just a whole bevy of things that we say you, here's your limit and it's a way in which we fail that the patriarchal society fails men too right uh-huh. and it and it fails women in the sense that we go men how m- males are is the default that's the default regular and then uh-huh. everything beyond that as as females or as queer community or whoever if you are female like then you become less than, right? So that's where we start going. Oh, as women, I can't be vulnerable because I need to be more like how men are, uh-huh. right? And and so it it really is damaging to all
0: of us. Yep, it sure is.
1: It sure yeah. is.
0: And it's so interesting. So all of that just from you—you lost your dad. You spoke up to your mom, and and did, at that point in your life, you said it was about. Um, how many years ago, like 15, 15, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, from that point, after you had spoken up to your mom, where did your life go from there? Once you realized that you could have conversations like this um, with your mother, which probably was huge. Yeah. Huge breakthrough. Uh, when did you, I guess what I'm really trying to find out is let's go in your, we're going through your life timeline. You had lost your dad, you had spoken up to your mom once and for all, you know, for the first time, then what did your life do, what did you do in your life at that point, did you then want to do this for everyone or did you start to go through some of your own self discovery and growing and learning, what happened at that point.
1: Yeah. So I would say probably in about 05. So this was about two years prior to my dad passing was when I really started getting involved in personal development, but it had not become a career path as of yet. So when he uh-huh. passed, I was still working in makeup artistry right. and kind of dabbling in that interest of personal development. I had already gone to coaching school and I we didn't have... A whole slew of the way the way we do now, we have just so many resources on how to actually build a business like that. Uh-huh. So when I went to coaching school initially, i I didn't even know how to I had the skill set, but I didn't know how to build a business. So I basically threw in the towel and just didn't do a damn thing. And it wasn't until probably gosh, it was probably 08. I went back through my coaching education because mm-hmm. once you completed the program, you could then go back and assist during the program. So I went back, I assisted, I kind of re-engaged with it. I got my certification and that's when I got really serious about creating an actual business and getting the business support that I needed. Mm -hmm. But at the, at the beginning, I really felt like my messaging and my niche was around making my my husband for 23 years. We've been married for 22 of those years. And I felt like I had a lot of understanding around what can actually create a thriving partnership. Uh And what, what happened for me as I worked with clients who were struggling in their partnerships, I realized that at the core of it were, were two things. And one was internal and one was external. And the internal piece was recognizing that and that your voice actually matters that uh-huh. what that you matter that you are enough your worthiness your enoughness whatever moniker you would ascribe to that and then the external piece of then okay if i value self and who i am how do i now communicate that with the outside world what does that mean as far as boundaries or tough conversations with my partner or family member right and and then so that was in about 2015 when i changed into instead of focusing on making relationships work or working in, in marriages transitioned into speaking up for yourself without being a dick and really focusing heavily on on communication and that's really what what I still do to this day.
0: It's interesting I had a guest on Ted Ted Smith who um, has also is a, also a coach recently left his you know nine to five whatever you want to call that. And he was on and he talks about, of course, this is true. And I've said this many times and I've had guests on that say this many times, but interesting that you went from um, partner partner coaching almost to um, individual, because I feel like it's the relationship that we have with ourselves first that then can, and that's kind of why I mentioned Ted, because that was what his book was all about, his relationship with himself first before he Mm -hmm. could then... You know, have that relationship or feel comfortable enough, understanding himself and feeling comfortable enough to be able to speak up for himself. Um, once that's he right. started loving and appreciating himself, that's um, right. So it seems natural that you would go from helping couples to individuals, um, at least in my mind, because it really does just start with us.
1: It does, and it's interesting in the the program that I I teach. That really is the the sequence that we go through, we start with understanding your own disempowering beliefs. We do a lot of work mm-hmm. with the subconscious faculty of the mind, which is, you know, sort of the hypnosis element that I would do. And then we move le- later into the communication aspects and uh-huh. how do I actually speak up to my boss or how do I broach this tough conversation with my child or my partner or sister Mm -hmm. and what, what those, what those elements actually look like,
0: because we're, we're not taught that. Right. And each person would want to approach it differently. Um, I would think based on who they are, of course. And it
1: also depends on that particular relationship and what, patterns have already been established in that relationship right. that need to and how much how much you're actually collaborating with that other person and how much you're boundarying up so for example if there's a very different conversation that happens if you are in partnership with uh let's say a spouse and you want to talk about the division of labor in the household let's say right that's a much more collaborative tough conversation versus if you are pregnant and you're out and people keep wanting to touch your body without consent, right? Right? That's, (laughs) you know, like a stranger at the grocery store being like, Ooh, let me tell you that's, that's a hard and fast boundary. I'm not collaborating with this other person to enrich Mm -hmm. our relationship. I'm straight up saying, Hey, that's not acceptable. So there's nuance there and that's going to change the, the advice that I give people and sort of the formulas that we follow. Right.
0: Right. So, yeah. okay. I had a question for you. It just left my brain. I was like, well, oh, I just thought of something and it's gone. I happened to visit your website, by the way, which is amygreensmith.com. And that's like the color green. <laughs> I happened to visit your website and did I have to see that there was something on there that people could grab if in fact they um, wanted to?
1: Yes, absolutely. So if you go to amygreensmith.com, you'll see that I have uh, an ebook. It's actually a workbook that in, encompasses nine challenges that you can kind of test yourself with and Mm -hmm. it's called speak up for yourself without being a dick and it's all of these different (laughs) exercises thank you all of these exercises that you can use um, to help amplify some of this stuff because most of the time we just stop we just stop where it hurts like it hurts when I try to speak up to my boss or, uh, uh, and then typically what we do is we just go into blame. Well, if she wasn't such an asshole, then I would be able to get my work done and blah, blah, blah. And we don't stop to think about, okay, what if that's actually an opportunity for me to give voice to something? In fact, that is one of the things that I would offer to everybody listening. If you're curious about where, where are those areas in my life that I actually do need to establish a boundary or I do need to start speaking up for myself, the best place to look at is what who and what do you chronically complain about and and not take action on so for example if you come home every day and bitch and complain about your boss to your spouse yep but never actually <laughs> talk to your boss about it you know right? a, a, that's that is an opportunity so i'm not talking about just you know, having a vent session or needing to get something out of your system. I'm talking about when you have an issue about something and you complain about it over and over and over again, and don't take the action on it. But somebody, the wrong person, gets the earful. So sometimes we are speaking up, we're just not speaking up to the right person. But that's sometimes sort we're of,
0: really being a dick. <laughs> we
1: are. Yeah, but, yeah. Sometimes we are. We're just being <laughs> a dick
0: behind the scenes instead to of the wrong to the wrong person. Yeah. Dang it. Could you say that again?
1: Who, the people who can't do a damn thing
0: about That's right. actually oh. rectifying the issue. Amy, that is my biggest pet peeve, I have to say. So one of my biggest pet peeves is that, I mean, I definitely vent and complain. My, my friends will tell you. Um, however, especially in a work situation. If you're going to complain about something, you either have to make a change or uh, make it work or make a change. If you're not going to talk to the person who's directly responsible for your issue, then stop talking to me. Like, stop talking to me about it. Yeah, It just, It, it brings the whole vibe down, like energy down. Everything's, it's just, and it's not good for the person complaining either. It's not good for their body. It's not good for their mindset. It's not good for anything. It's not productive, period.
1: I like to say if it's worth chronically complaining about, then it's probably worth taking action on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And whether that action is passive or or not, it's whatever, it's right for the person, you know? That's right.
1: So that can be a really great exercise in just kind of heightening personal awareness around, are there issues where I am chronically complaining about this individual uh, we do it a lot with families uh-huh. talking about how shitty holidays are going to be or whatever. And then but then we go really hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> doing anything about that. Right. And right. so, so those are that, those are your opportunities. Now that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And this is one of the things I talk about all the time. I'm not telling you to speak up for yourself or to have boundaries for the fuck of it, because it's not, it's not really all that fun. You know, when people say, I I hate confrontation. So, and I'm like, yeah, get in fucking line. Most people don't like confrontation. There are those handful of overbearing people who love it, but a majority of us, majority of us don't like it. So it's an uncomfortable thing to do. But the reason why I'm telling you that it is worth it is because of this. Every time you silence your wants, needs, and opinions because you choose to make somebody else more important, you are sending a subconscious message to your own mind that you simply don't matter as much. That's so right. if you if you are out there struggling with deservedness, uh, believing that you are lovable, believing that you matter, believing that you are enough, if you have any issues around your own self-worth and you're still choosing to shut your voice down, you are nurturing that belief. So I'm not telling you just for like a fun personal development exercise. I'm telling you <laughs> to do this because your self-worth quite literally depends on it. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And it doesn't mean that you're going to get it like that. Like there, every tough conversation that I engage in still to this day, and I teach this shit Uh still makes me nervous. I still get, I still get scared, Yeah, but I loved that cannot exist unless you have fear. So that fear is my indication of am I going to allow this fear to rule the show or uh-huh. am I going to choose courage instead? I love that. And it's just I love quite that. simply choosing courage over and over and over again.
0: That's right. And the more you do it, the easier it may feel. Mm-hmm.
1: Do little Absolutely. bits first
0: and then the bigger ones are going to be easier. That's wonderful. Listen, I think that it's time to take a real quick break. Let's take a break right now and we'll be right back, okay? Perfect. Okay, see you guys in just a sec. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am back with Amy Greensmith. She is here as a life coach and a hypnotherapist. And we have been talking a little bit about her experiences in her life and what brought her to where she is right now. Um, She helps people actually speak up for themselves without quote being a dick, which I absolutely love. Um, thanks again, Amy, for being here. Welcome back. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. so, You're welcome. So I wanted you to let the listeners know that they, um, where they can get in touch with you, if they wanted to hire you for your services, how they can do that, or if there's any um, social media avenues where they can follow you, would you be able to speak to that? Sure. Thank you. So
1: I my the foundation of everything, sort of my little corner corner of the internet is over at Amy Green
0: Smith.
1: is um, without any okay let me just say that one more time
0: let me say that one more time because it just seems like my internet is screwing up a little bit um and correct me if I'm wrong Amy you said amygreensmith.com and it is green like the color without an e at the end is that what you said
1: yes that's correct (laughs) thank you that's correct and uh, like I mentioned earlier you'll see right there on that page that you can grab my free workbook, which will really help you start speaking up for yourself. You can also go to the uh, free sources tab and under free sources, you'll see that there's some other additional freebies there. I have a hypnosis download that you can grab that's specifically around anxiety and fear. Oh,
0: that's and fabulous. I'd re- love that idea.
1: Yeah. I, I actually brought that out. I created that right when COVID hit, because there was such an intensity around anxiety and fear.
0: No kidding. Yeah.
1: And just around things that are outside of our control. So it doesn't necessarily have to be COVID, but anytime where you feel like everything is happening and you can't, you're powerless to do anything about it, which oftentimes will create so much anxiety. So yeah, lots of freebies over there. I would love for you to kind of get to know me and my voice. You'll see, I've had a podcast for almost nine years myself. So there's lots and lots of stuff for you to sink your teeth into. And then I hang out probably the most on Instagram. My social media handle is at Hey Amy Green Smith. So H E Y Amy Green Smith on pretty much every platform. So wherever you like to hang out, you can find me under that, that handle. However, TikTok TikTok. TikTok is where I stalk everybody, but non Instagram <laughs> is where I hang out the most. So
0: okay. Yeah. Join the club. Um
1: yeah, I'm a TikTok <laughs> voyeur, but uh I don't I don't create really on TikTok at all. But yeah, so come hang out on Instagram and just get get to know me a little bit and then you'll see all different avenues to work with me fuller if in, in a deeper way, if that's something that calls to you, that's I do great. a very spe- specialized program. I don't work one-on-one with, with folks any longer. Um, but I do a very specific group program that you can that's learn great. more about.
0: I love that. Yeah. All right. Maybe. Um, also, can I ask you a few more questions? Something that I ask everyone on the podcast at the, I love it. At, near the end. Okay. You're ready. You prepared for these. Did you prepare for these questions? <laughs> I don't think so.
1: I don't think so. I might have stopped 10 minutes prior to the end (gasps) of it. So I'm I'm probably going to be surprised.
0: Okay, here we go. Um, All right. There are three questions that I ask every single guest near the end of the podcast. So here it goes. You ready? When you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Oh gosh. When I'm at my most peaceful...
1: I would, this is a little roundabout of an answer, but it would be when I really have given myself the freedom to let go of my to-do list, to let go of the have-tos and the shoulds and the you know, all of the things that I feel like are task related. It, it, that's when I can unplug and really truly be present and be. You're so good. Cause peaceful. if that were me,
0: oh my gosh, I would be like, why am I, I'm not doing anything <laughs> I need to get up off my ass and go. I love that's that. Funny. But it's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice to say, I'm going to let go of these responsibilities today. And I'm going to enjoy the time that I have right now. So, yeah. Yeah, we need to,
1: I really think we need to glorify rest more than we glorify busyness and
0: hustle. Yep, I agree. I'm right there with you. Okay, next question. Do you have a book that you would recommend to someone? Life-changing book, something that you read that maybe changed your life or gave you a different perspective on things?
1: I can't, I, I don't feel like it's necessarily changed my life but I think it could change Many people's lives, and it actually just came out, I think, in December. It's Brene Brown's most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, Mm -hmm. and it really is basically a glossary or an index of human emotion. So, like we were talking about earlier, I think when we are astute enough to know what it is that we're feeling, we can so much more accurately advocate for the things that we need and ask for what we need instead of just saying, I feel bad or I feel sad or I feel, right. you know, and actually understanding the breadth of human emotion. Right. And I, I think one of the most important books of our generation because there's so much lack of emotional literacy uh-huh. in our culture. And and I I think it's just a brilliant brilliant work of art the way it's grouped together all of it so yes. I
0: have to get that one I haven't received I haven't bought that one yet I haven't listened oh. to it yet on audible I haven't done any of that stuff yet with that one but I know it's there and I need to get it so you might be the third person that mentioned that book and I keep seeing it everywhere so I think those are signs for me to get it well um,
1: you know I I signed the the audiobook I don't think drops until February 2022 all right and can still get the actual book which I would would highly, highly recommend because it's borderline a coffee table book. It's so beautiful and oh. the way it's organized and the color. I mean, it's, it's one you want to have tangibly, I think.
0: Yeah. What I usually do, this is my MO. I'll hear about a book or I'll see something that interests me. I listen to it because that is my best mode of comprehension And then if I really love it, I buy it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I have it and then I look through it. So that's, that's probably what I'll do with that one as well. Listen, buy, or maybe I'll just buy and have first, just because of your recommendation. So thank you. Sure. Um, And with that though, just to add on to that um, emotional intelligence, you really have to be, have some sense of awareness, awareness of those triggers that cause those emotions and then the emotion that you are feeling and really separate. It's so hard for me to explain, but, you know, separate yeah. what really happened to the deep underlying issue that is like you spoke about before with the dishwasher. You really just have to be fully aware of what's happening and what with yourself and what that emotion is that you're feeling. That's hard for some people.
1: It is. And the, and like we talked about earlier, there's really no no place unless you had sort of a utopian upbringing that mm-hmm. magically taught you all of your emotions, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> which nobody does. Especially if you're an elder, elder millennial or a Gen Xer, like uh-huh. no, that's not that's not a thing. So, actually, having the language around it, I think, is the beginning to really understand. Oh, here's what I'm feeling. Right. Okay, got it to amplify that
0: awareness. Oh gosh. Yeah. There's so many things, the awareness, the language around it, and then the permission almost to be able mm-hmm. to say, it's okay to sh- you know, talk about this. So many things. That's right. That's okay. Right. Last question. Ready? Hopefully I can do this with my video on let's try. Ah. <laughs> so if money wasn't an object, what would you be doing? Ah. Uh. Gosh, probably a lot
1: of the same thing. Yeah. Um, I still feel very strongly about the work that I do. I feel very passionate about it. I think I, it's so cliche. I would love to have a sexier answer, but I would probably travel. (laughs) Um, But I also feel very strongly about philanthropic works. Um, Uh And so I think I would, I would probably be a lot more involved in activism
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that. Um, a lot of my guests do say exactly what you said, like, keep doing what I'm doing. Some people do say travel as well as keep doing what I'm doing, but doing it in an exotic location.
1: <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. giving
0: back to the community, I think is really important for all of us. Because it's not just about money. It's it's about your time or at least resources. We can all give back in one way or another. Um mm-hmm. So that was so wonderful. Thank you so much. Amy, it has been such a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. I wish we could chat a little bit longer, although I don't think that my internet's going to provide me that luxury. (laughs) But everyone who is listening, you can get in touch with Amy either on her website, which is amygreensmith.com. You can um, follow Amy on Instagram at Hey, Amy Green Smith, which is such a great handle. Um, and also remember, she said, once you follow her there, you'll be able to see what else she's up to. Um, you can find her and see what she's offering. If you want, if her services sound like something that would benefit you, if you need to speak up for yourself just a little bit more. Um, She is the one to call. Again, it's Amy Greensmith. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. I wish Britt was with us. She would have enjoyed this conversation, I'm sure. Um, And I hope you have a fabulous day.
1: Oh, Oh, thank you, Liz. I really, really appreciate it. And absolutely.
0: you, You have a fabulous day as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. And everybody else, I'll be back in just one more sec. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.